How many came to church today sneaking into the parking lot? How many came today to church not trying or trying not to let anyone know that you were going to worship Jesus? Still no hands. How many came from this week not letting anyone know that you knew Jesus? No hands. How many hid their Bible this week or today so people couldn't see your Bible to know that you were a Christian? So so then I guess the questions I asked and no hands were raised, I guess you all told everybody this week that you were a Christian. That you you had a Bible. That you were trying your best to walk with God. You let everybody know that. You're all awful quiet today. <laughs> you know. Are we quiet through the week about Jesus? Well anyway. As this story that I want to tell you. Which is a true story. As. The people came from different directions. How many all y'all don't live in the same household, do you? Y'all live in different households, east, north, west, short distance, long distance. Well, as these people came, they came from different directions. Uh, They tried to walk so they wouldn't be detected. Or anyone had suspicion they were going someplace really important. They came walking and looking, making sure no one was following them. Yes, they were of different ages. But they were all going to the same location coming from different places to meet at a specific time. What time did you all meet today? How many was here at what time did it start? 9.30? How many is here? Let's say hand. 9.30. Okay. How many was here at 10? Okay. Did someone come just at 11? Okay. 940. 940. All right. All right. You come at different times. These people were coming at different times, so they couldn't be detected. Was you coming at 940 so no one would know? Just to surprise people? (laughs) Maybe you're here just to surprise somebody. I don't know. But these people came knowing that they had a short time before they would be detected. Do you care if anyone knows if you're a Christian? Do you care if anyone knows you've got a Bible? Do you care if anyone knows that you pray? 
That you give money to God's service? Do you care to let people know that? Do you... This is kind of a funny question. Do you care whether anybody knows if you eat differently than the world? I know people that care. That bothers them. But these folks, they came... Like I said, different places, different times to meet at a particular place for secret worship. Now, we didn't, we got a sign out front, or you do. My church has a sign out front. Uh, it's not a secret. This is a church. Uh, a lot of them have these things up on top. They call steeples. They see them. Oh, that's a church. It's got a steeple. We know that. Uh, Lots of cars sometimes. But here, these folks were coming to worship Jesus in secret. It's not illegal to worship Jesus here. It's not illegal to have a Bible. But where these folks are, it's illegal to worship Jesus. It's illegal to have a Bible Believers are treated as a hostile class. How are you treated when people find out, oh, you're a Christian? Treat you a little different, don't they? I've had people talk, oh, you're a Christian. And, oh, I'm sorry for that. That was a slip of the tongue. You know, my own brother said that. You know. Are you treated as a hostile class? Anything that gives people an alternative allegiance is deemed to be dangerous. Are we scared of that today here in America? Now, you may not want to answer that, but I want to answer that for you. Here in America, yes. We are afraid of an alternative allegiance. You might disagree, but let me tell you, you are. You're either a Democrat, a Republican, or an Independent. You've got to be one or the other. You can't be neutral. You've got to be somewhere in there. It's a, if you're something else, you're deemed an alternative allegiance either for me or against me we figured it out that you're dangerous if you have that so Christians must hide their faith even from their own children in this area do you tell your children you're Christian? here you do it's very difficult at times to let your own family know that you worship Jesus. How many this week called a relative and said, uh, the dead are in the ground sleeping, waiting Jesus' resurrection when he comes for us? Oh, and they may not be resurrected. Did you add that part? Nobody done that this week. Uh These folks were coming together to worship Jesus. 
all that they knew about Jesus. Are you worshiping all that you know about Jesus today? Hmm. First thing this morning, uh, not the first thing, but one of the things I've done, usually I do it while I'm eating my cereal for breakfast, sit there and I flip through Facebook. Uh, there was a good friend of mine going deer hunting today, and they were so happy that their uh, youngest daughter was going with their dad deer hunting, and, oh, yes, they're members of my church. It's okay to go deer hunting, right? It's okay to do different things on the Sabbath other than come to church and worship God? Or have we left a nasty taste in some people's mouths that they don't want to know about Christians? Anyway, back to the story. These folks were coming, and they knew that they were risking their lives to be part of a church or to own a Bible. How many has more than one Bible in their possession? Yeah. These folks were risking their life to have a Bible or a part of the Bible. I thought the Waldenses, they would write out scriptures, slip them in their their jackets or their coat or their dress hem or something and, and hand just a page out to somebody. You know that I work fairs, me and my wife. We have people that do come and ask for Bibles. And yes, we will give you a Bible. We will mail it to you if you don't have one. If you want one, see me afterwards. But they're just being so secretive because they knew their life depended on what was taking place. They knew that they were under a death penalty. Lots of countries today around the world, they're sweeping the countryside looking for secret groups, churches that are worshiping the Lord. This group of followers, they took all necessary precautions so that they wouldn't be detected. This group of Christians in North Korea, how they learned the gospel, I don't know. Or what little gospel they have, I don't know. I don't know the exact number. The information I get out of North Korea is very spotty because... They don't want to let the government know. But they were coming, they came and to secretly worship Jesus. And then all of a sudden, think in your mind, all of a sudden the door burst open and the security guards came in. The meeting was over. The several dozen Christians were gathered in the secret worship meeting. What would you do if somebody burst through that door? To come to arrest you. Well, the guards arrested everybody, several dozen. And then they executed each one of them. 
is it worth your life to know Jesus? To have a Bible? To tell somebody about God? If your life was on the line, would you stay faithful to Christ? It's not only you, you've got to think about. Because in North Korea, they go and take every kinfolk, member of the family. They go and capture them, and this was over 100 people they took. They arrested them and sent them to political prison. And when you go to political prison in North Korea, you... Don't come back. You're there for life. Is your believing in Jesus and having a Bible worth your life, your family's life? These are hard questions. But times are ahead of us that soon, and probably very soon, this could happen in America. It's coming. But I thought about of another group that was having a secret meeting. I thought about those after the death of Jesus on the cross. They went to a secret worship service. Them and the total of about 120. I was thinking, did they sneak and hide so that they couldn't be detected? After all... The Jews had just killed their leader. Just singled some of them out. Were they going there in secret? Why were they there? I read someplace that it said they were there because they were fearful of the Jews. Because they had killed their leader. And that they were looking for those that were his followers. Do you want to be classified as a Sabbath keeper? A seventh day Sabbath keeper, nonetheless. It's different. The world doesn't rotate around a seventh day Sabbath. The one that we live in or I live in. But they were there for some other reason. Go to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 24. Start with verse 45. Luke 24, verse 45, says this, And he, Jesus, opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. He opened, was trying to open, the disciples' understanding of the Scriptures. Is that something we want? Or are we satisfied with, oh, once saved, always saved. Just believe in Jesus. Are we satisfied with that? Are we satisfied with the gospel that we hear from all other churches? Verse 46, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance 
and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He knew that he was fixing to die. And he'd been trying to tell these disciples of his for three years that he was going to die. And no, he ain't going to die. No, you you come to, to deliver us Rome, to set us up, to make us high in the society. There's two words in this that I like to call out. Repentance and remission of sins. And I even asked, particularly Seventh-day Adventists, what does this mean? Do we understand what repentance is? Oh, I have, I don't know how many people, yes, I've repented of my sins. Seventh-day Adventists. Not Christians of the world, but Seventh-day Adventists. Oh, yes, I've repented. And then I see them, watch their life, and then I wonder. And then it says remission of sins. Do we even understand that? Remission of sins. Are we just floating around and we're kind of close to the true gospel? Kind of close to a full Christianity that Jesus wanted us to have. He wanted these disciples to have it because they were to have all of this and they're to go to Jerusalem, starting at Jerusalem, and then around the area worldwide and tell that Jesus died for them. Can you tell that story? Can you tell that story without putting a ecumenical spin on it. But I I go on, it says in verse 48, and you are to witness, and you are witnesses of these things. So why do you believe your Bible? Do you ever question it? Why do I believe what Luke said? He's a doctor. Does doctors always give good information? I go to the doctor Tuesday, and he and I are just going to have a chat. (laughs) And uh, questioning some of his stuff he wants to do. Or give me. But why do we believe what Luke said? What John says? What Mark says? What Paul says? We believe because they were there. They saw and heard what Jesus said. They're eyewitnesses to the fact. I can tell you about these North Koreans. I wish I could have somebody here that was right there and saw it happen to tell you. It would be make more of an impact on you than I can. For persecution happens around the world. And it was happening right here. You know, Jesus was saying, well, let's read verse 49 first. It says, Jesus says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father. Okay, now he's sending what? 
the promise of his father. So this comes straight from Father God. He said, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power on high. So another reason to go to Jerusalem and to be in the upper room, not just for fear of the Jews, but because Jesus said to go and wait because my Father God is going to send you power. Why did he... Why did the disciples need power? They understood everything, right? Not at this time. Not at this time. Because they were had been asking, not understanding Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's what they were waiting on. This is the correct theology that they had at that time they thought was correct theology. Do you question the theology that comes from the pastor? From me? I hope so. You need to go to your Bible and read it and understand it. And ask God to give you the Holy Spirit to understand it. It says, ask for wisdom, knowledge, discernment. We should be asking for that. Asking for these things. Most of the 120 people that were in the upper room together, they all knew each other. Y'all know each other? That's what I get just watching your faces. I know their name. I know this child belongs here and, and, and these two are married. And, and uh, you know, we know a little bit. Oh, yeah, he drives to... Green Volkswagen outside. We know that. But do we really know each other? <laughs> Come on, married folks. When you got married, did you really know each other or did you have some difficult, bumpy days there at the beginning? Yeah, me and my wife, we had some relearning. I thought this is what she was meaning, but no, she was meaning this. And we had to work it out. And uh, we're still working it out, by the way. <laughs> it's been many years, we're still working it out. And, and God says to his disciples, though, he says, I'm going to send you what my father promised. And that is what? Power. Power for what? To understand the scriptures. Power to have a secret worship meeting. Power to be able to go stand in the church and preach after you've just been beaten and told not to go preach. Power to talk about who this God is that they worship. What does the Holy Spirit do? Go to John 16. John 16. 
We'll see what the Holy Spirit does, some of what the Holy Spirit does. He's called the Comforter. What did they need comforting about? They needed comfort because of who they were, the new church. Are we still a new church? Yes, we are. We're a different church than what's in the world. We're a different church. We have different doctrines than the world has. We're a secret church sometimes. I remember before the Iron Curtain fell, a friend of mine was over there, and he said they were led down a back alley and this alley and down this street, and and he said... We couldn't get too close to that fellow up there that we was following, but we had to keep him in sight because he was taking us to church. And finally, we went to church. We opened a door and in a building. Oh, and there were all the believers. The preacher was a small young man, about this tall. He was the preacher. Because adults couldn't get up and preach. But after they'd come in and they'd sat at the back row, he said in a little bit there was two other people came in and they sat on the very back pew. He said they had strange looking clothing, markings on it. And he said, I whispered to my friend, he said, yeah, they're the KGB. They, they know we're meeting. And they come here to watch us, to make sure that what we're doing is still okay. But yet they had to meet in secret. Here these disciples had to meet in secret. Here God was sending the Holy Spirit And here in John 16, verse 8, is what we can learn something about the Holy Spirit. And when He, that's the Holy Spirit, has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Question. Has the Holy Spirit convicted the world of sin? Hmm? You don't think so? Don't think so. I don't know. It's pretty close if it isn't. People know when they're doing wrong. They know right from wrong. It's one of the questions. If uh, you go to a, uh, a specific doctor, that they want to know if first off, if you know right from wrong. Do you have your mental faculties? If you don't know right from wrong, there's a problem. They know that right off. But here he's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Says this, verse 9, Of sin because they do not believe in me. Does the world believe in Jesus? It's a tricky question. 
believe in Jesus. It says the devils even believe in Jesus. They don't follow him. It says, my Bible says they believe and tremble. And then it says in verse 10, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And at verse 11, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus is telling his disciples. However, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and what? And declare it to us. So he's taking what is Jesus and declaring it to us. But verse 15 says, says this, All things that the Father has are mine. All things the Father has is Jesus's. Therefore I say that he will take of me, of mine, and declare it to you. So who does it really come from? comes from Father God. comes from Father God. In the upper room, they had a mission. That mission was to be the next church. To be the church of that time, to spread the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to all the world. Today's church has a mission also, to spread the gospel to Mount Pleasant, to Mount Vernon, to Texarkana. And all the other little places around in all the world. I'd like to tell you a couple of stories. About three weeks ago, or I think it was, we were in Mount Pleasant. My wife and I and a few other. We were out here as what they call a fair. And we were handing out literature. Now at that fair, we found out that you have to work together. Oh, they were in the upper room so that they could work together. They had problems, and they had to get things right. Well, the English and Spanish had to work together. Can't say, no, they're, they're English, they're mine. No, they're Spanish, they're mine. You can't do that. You've got to be able to talk to any and everybody, and doesn't matter what church they want to go to. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is if they know who Jesus is. And they want to believe what he believes. But we were there, and so we worked together, and we gave out something of over 6,000 pieces of literature in four days. It's a lot of literature, let me tell you. I watched it go from stack to stack. What little bit we had left and loaded in the van uh, wasn't much, folks. Had a little bit left. Left it there, went to a fair after that, too, the next week. We had one young man, very curious, he was with a couple other guys, walked up there and was talking, looking at the literature, and uh, one lady had a bookmark out and gave him a bookmark because he said he liked the Ten Commandments. 
How many like the Ten Commandments in here? Okay. And uh, he said he liked the Ten Commandments. And she, as we talked, say, well, which commandment is your favorite? Oh, I like the second commandment. You all like the second commandment? Yeah. And uh, so she just talking and, and everything, and we ask questions a lot. And uh, says, well, what does it say? Oh, the second commandment says, I have the right to bear arms. No, that's an amendment, not a commandment. So it's interesting what we find in here. A nice young couple. I don't know if they were married or not, but they were arm in arm. And somebody said something. We were out in a tent, by the way, not in the building. And they were walking past and somebody said something. And, and uh, because I don't hear real well, I've learned to read lips. And uh, I saw the young man turn and start to come that way. And she tugged on his arm and I saw her lips. It's about Jesus. And, but she came. And then she got interested and she walked away with three books. Now, we're praying that she'll read the three books. But she didn't want nothing to do because it was religious material. But she did. I could tell you many stories. I'd have to come just share stories. And that's all I could do. But as the believers of this secret worship meeting and the 120 in the upper room, as they all had gathered to hear one another, they didn't come to hear one another preach. Although it could have been appropriate. They didn't come to hear each other preach. They were in that room for a couple of reasons. Uh, Nor are we here today to be entertained by clever thought original turn of thoughts, or to indulge in speculative theory. I hear that a lot in Adventist churches. Rather, we have assembled here for deep, sober study, for the earnest, intense search after great truths, mighty principles. We are here because we're in the end time. Jesus is fixing to come again. As he went up, the disciples stood there looking. He said, or the angel said, uh, that same Jesus is going to come again. And they've been waiting that time. They're in the dust of the ground, waiting that time. My question is, how are you waiting that time living? Are you afraid to have a Bible? Are you afraid that somebody will know your beliefs? Are you afraid to be different? Are you afraid because you eat different and you don't want anyone to see you or hear you? Are you afraid because somebody wants or because somebody would like prayer and you're afraid to pray for them? Are you afraid to pray in front of somebody, even at a restaurant? Are you afraid to be different in this world? The disciples had decided after the Holy Spirit came not to be different. Oh, no, they did decide to be different, did they? They decided to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ 
and he died for them. That wasn't the belief at that time. But today's church has a mission. We are to wait for the Holy Spirit. No, that already happened. Today's church already waited for the Holy Spirit, didn't they? They were in that upper room. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. My question is, where's the power? Where's the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we waiting to be persecuted before we have that power? Are we waiting for the guards to come through the back door to take us captive to have that power? What are we waiting for? Matthew 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are we truly seeking God? Or are we more about the affairs of the world and me making a living, me keeping the money I have, the buildings I have, What are we really worried about? Where is our faith? Is it in God's righteousness? My wife and I had to go to a funeral. Uh, We've been to, in the last eight weeks, we've been to six funerals. Uh, Everybody around us is dying off. I hope nobody dies today. But the question is, is they're not taking anything with them when they die, we found out. We found out that Most of them were not seeking God's righteousness. Hmm. Are we fully submitted to God? Are you fully submitted to God? And and I mean that word in its fullest sense, fully. That means every recess in your soul. Fully submitted to God. Because you can't have a fullness of the Holy Spirit if you're crowding Him out with other things. By work. By TV. By other activities besides witnessing. If we're crowding the Holy Spirit out, he will be gone, and we will have a heart of stone. That can all, that's all that can be left. Jesus wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to empty ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to take control. My wife and I went to one particular funeral out of town. I can tell you more details if you want to know later on. We didn't know what we was going to do. It was on the Sabbath. And uh, we didn't know where we was going to eat or what we was going to eat. But we went ahead and made provision. But we asked the Lord for something. Both of us asked separately, not knowing the other was asking the same thing. We asked that the Lord would show us one of those thousand ways that he provides for us of which we know nothing. And he surprised the socks off of us. What happened is only because the Lord made it happen, not because we did. We got fed a real meal. A real meal. 
when our meal that we thought we had provided turns out we could not eat. It's amazing. We've decided to trust the Holy Spirit in our lives more often. Because Jesus said his Father is sending us power through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that each one of us would examine our lives and see what we need to put behind us so that we can seek the fullness of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we're so thankful, so thankful we have salvation in Jesus. Not of our doing, but of his doing. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, giving him up for us. I ask, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us through the rest of this Sabbath day. Help us to find that Sabbath day blessing you have for us. And Lord, be with us this coming week. Help us to find, truly find you. Help us to truly surrender to you. Help us truly to love you. Not just with lip service, but with heart service. Bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.